and welcome to another episode of Nintendo Everything Refresh, the official podcast of NintendoEverything.com, where we keep you up to date with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo and just video games at large, depending on the week. I'm your host, Nick Serpa, joined today by the wonderful Dennis Gagliardato. Hello, hello. And also joined today by the spectacular Nicholas Shade. Hello, everyone. And I hope everyone is having a great week. We are deep into February now. Things are starting to ramp up a little bit. Um, So we're just gonna jump right into our headlines. Now, uh, it's maybe a little bit early for most folks to start thinking about E3, but I think at least for for all of us, everyone working at the site, it's it's never something you're 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 not really thinking about. (laughs) It's always just, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, we're about six months out. But um, but yeah, this is, you know, the first year in a while that E3 is actually coming back in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it was supposed to happen last year, but it ended up getting canceled. So really, the, the big event last summer was Summer Games Fest. And um, so, yeah, so with E3 coming back this year, that's really all we know about it. We, we don't really know, you know who's participating and whatnot, uh, but we had a story break earlier uh, this week via IGN who are citing some of their sources saying that uh, they have multiple folks who are saying that Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo, that none of them will be a part of E3 uh, 2023 this year or have a presence at the Los Angeles Convention Center. And um, I, I, obviously this is not really confirmed yet. Uh, this is still, I would say, keep it in rumor territory until we hear from these companies themselves. Um, but there has been a lot of kind of beating around the bush about this, you know, between after this story came out, the ESA said, you know, well, we can't really confirm who's participating, you know, but we have many great companies that will be in attendance. <laughs> um, you know, for their part, you know, Microsoft has kind of been not really saying whether or not they'll be there. None of the other companies have. So it's just, it's everything's kind of up in the air. And um, I'm wondering how you guys are feeling about this. I mean, I, I personally don't think it would be a huge surprise if <laughs> Nintendo didn't come to E3 this year. Yeah, I mean, it kind of lines up, right? Sony hasn't been at E3 for quite a few years at this point, And yeah. Xbox has their own kind of summer showcase that they had last year. So at that point, Nintendo's the only holdout, and I don't think they feel obligated to go to E3 in any real capacity. They're the first ones that really started this Nintendo Direct format, and if they wanted to, they could just keep doing that independent of any other event or organization. Like, with the amount of hype that every Nintendo Direct gets also, and I don't mean hype as in, like, I'm personally excited about it, but when you look at the numbers of, you know, people watching it via Twitch yeah, or YouTube and stuff like that, yeah, it's, it's just as big as any typical stream from E3 so yeah I mean it's not necessary especially for something like for someone like Nintendo I mean they can you know drop one at any moment and it would do the same amount of numbers they don't they don't need E3 they don't need that sort of atmosphere it's nice you know because that's the time of year where it's like that's when you expect the biggest announcements the biggest reveals but it's it's not necessary for them yeah no and I 100% agree with both of you and again I really don't think this would be a huge surprise if it was true the thing that just kind of, you know, puts a wrench in my whole thought process is Nintendo is just not really consistent <laughs> with anything. <laughs> and um, last year, you know, they didn't even really have a, a full Nintendo Direct around that time. I think they had like a partner showcase mm-hmm. was what they ended up doing. Yeah. But 
you know, we, it used to be the case, that was kind of what we expected. Oh, they'll have their big summer Nintendo Direct. And even that, I think, is not always necessarily a guarantee anymore with them. Yeah, that's the um, one big loss, because E3 used to be the only time where you were 100% sure Nintendo was going to be having something there. Otherwise, it was always a bit up in the air what week we would get a Direct or something. <laughs> And um, like you said, last year, all we had was the Partner Direct, like the Xenoblade Direct, and then a bunch of drip feed announcements for like a month or two every week, Mm -hmm. Um, which is nice, Mm -hmm. but it's also nice to just have a single presentation where all of that is just all crammed in and knowing when that's going to happen. It feels a bit more like a like a celebration, yeah. you know, at it that does, point, yeah. rather than just here's some press releases we're gonna shoot out. Which, yeah. you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still games getting announced, and some people probably don't really care what the format is. But I know a lot of folks have nostalgia for the E3 season. You know, yeah. <laughs> I always, yeah. I always block off. There's like a two week window that I'm like, I put it on my calendar. I'm like, all right, be super plugged in these two weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, That's don't want to miss anything. It's true. Cause the, you know, it was yeah. always my favorite time of the year. Right. Like, especially like God knows, like back in maybe like maybe just 10 years ago, even I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, yo, E3's coming up. Like I tell everybody, right. <laughs> like yeah, that was second like Christmas. Like yeah, exactly. Right. It was, it was the second Christmas basically, but now it's just like, Oh, uh, especially over the years with between cancellations and, you know, people or companies leaving and, you know, so much, uh, uh, you know, turmoil happening internally as well between safety of, you know, the, the yeah. attendees and just, you know, um, you know board um you know the, the committee and everything everything happening it's it's insane so um yeah i don't know i think e3 is just you know it's a shell of its former self and uh which is unfortunate because it, i think it 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 held a significant importance within the industry but with how things have moved forward especially like you guys said with the direct format that everyone sort of adopted playstation with state of play and now xbox just had one the other day a new new one just called uh, developer direct which was their sort of you know nintendo mm-hmm. direct and um yeah i think that's just the way forward yeah yeah and i think depending on how this e3 plays out it could you know really <laughs> signal a major shift um mm-hmm. A lot of folks are saying that, you know, if this one doesn't go well, it could very well be the last one. And so I think there's a lot of, feels like at least <laughs> as gamers, there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> we, we, a lot of folks really want to see it go well because they don't want it to go away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I think uh, for me personally, you know, so I started writing for Nintendo Everything back in, gosh, I want to say it was 2020, maybe 2021. And so I never really had a, had a chance to ever go to E3. And I would really like to go once before it shuts down forever. <laughs> so I hope they have it. Yeah. I do really yeah. wonder if... Well, I, I should clarify, they, they are having it, but, you know. Yeah. If Nintendo is not there, will we end up going? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, related to that, if Xbox, Sony, and Nintendo are not going, are there going to be that many holdouts from other third parties or in, in indies? Like, are we going to have Square Enix, Capcom, Ubisoft, all of those? Or are they off to do, like, their own little thing? Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. I mean, so this event is organized by uh, Reed Pop, and they do all kinds of events. Like, they've, they've been involved with Comic-Con, PAX, so they certainly have the connections, it seems like, to attract a lot of these companies. I'd imagine if the bigger companies are not going to be there... 
or I should say if the big three aren't going to be there, I'd, I'd imagine there'd have to be a higher likelihood that at least in some capacity we'd see something from Ubisoft or EA there, but you, you just never really, yeah. <laughs> you just never know nowadays. And um, yeah, and it will also depend on, you know, if Summer Games Fest, you know, mm -hmm. how that ends up playing out. It and sweeps any of them up. Um, right, right. So anyways, we, we, we don't really know anything, <laughs> which is, <laughs> seems to be a common occurrence. But it's interesting to start thinking about. Um, and either way, we already have a super packed release schedule this year, it feels like. So many games got delayed to 2023. <laughs> and frankly, if we didn't get that many announcements this year, I think the world would keep on spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, let's, hey, speaking of inconsistencies coming from Nintendo, let's talk about this weird thing that happened last week. So, uh, so back in, gosh, I guess it was 2019 at this point. Uh, back in 2019, Nintendo launched a program uh, called Nintendo Switch Vouchers that would let folks basically spend 100 US dollars and you could pick up to two games from the eShop uh, and depending on what games you pick, you could get a small discount. Um, like if you were to pick two $60 games, you know, you could get a effectively a $10 discount on both of them and save a little bit of money. Um, but this program, what was weird was they stopped doing it in North America for some reason. And it's been gone for a few years now, but it's kept on going in other parts of the world, right? Nicholas, like you've yep. been able to do this in Europe, right? Europe and Japan, I think it's been available this entire time. Yeah. So anyways, they, they got rid of it in North America, but then they just brought it back this week. They're just like, hey, you can do Switch vouchers again if you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the circumstances behind it are weird as well, because apparently they leaked a video of it themselves. Like a video that was supposed to say unlisted was accidentally put to public. Uh, and people <laughs> noticed that <laughs> and were like, oh, there's an official trailer for these Switch vouchers coming back in North America got like unlisted immediately afterwards but then they made an official announcement for it the day after or like two days after so someone yeah, that goofed. was a little strange <laughs> are you it almost makes you wonder if they were uh, waiting to reveal it during a potentially upcoming <laughs> nintendo direct no and someone no, that's up. impossible that never happens <sighs> i don't know <laughs> could be a sign nicholas <laughs> i mean yeah. there have been a lot of rumors around a direct happening just people mentioning it might happen sometime soon that Advance Wars might feature again. If there was uh -huh. going to be a place to announce this, it would have it would make a lot of sense if this was something they were saving for the Direct, and when they noticed, they accidentally put it up. Well, at that point, just, you know, put up the trailer because it's like, not well, secret anymore. Cats out of the bag. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, so I don't know about you guys, but I, so I used the Switch vouchers back when they were available for the first time here in North America, and um, I believe I used them at the time, I used it to pre-order two games. I pre-ordered Super Mario Maker 2, and I pre-ordered Astral Chain, because those were two of the games that I was super excited for. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, from my perspective, like, if you're using it for that, if you're using it to pre-order upcoming digital games, it, it makes a lot of sense, yeah, because you you're getting a small discount. Yeah, you're getting a small discount for pre-ordering ahead of time, you know? Um, but I, I do kind of want, like, you look at the list of games, and some of these games have been out for years and years and years. And I could see a lot of folks being like, oh, this sounds cool. 
And then you end up, you know, using your vouchers on games that cost, you know, 40, 50 bucks and <laughs> actually losing money potentially. <laughs> I mean, I like the initiative. I think it's cool. And if you're using it mostly by day one releases or just stuff that's still a full price, it makes sense. Um, I still will probably continue to never, ever use this because I like buying all of my $60 games physically. <laughs> um, but fair enough. I yeah. really wish I could take advantage of this because it is a cool service. It's a nice little thing where people can just get, you know, save 10 bucks on every game, basically, uh, as long as it's a full price one. Right. So I'm glad they brought well, yeah, it back. I, guess it, I don't know why they ever removed it. Yeah, that's weird. What do you think, Dennis? You know, it was something that I that I used pretty frequently. Like when they first came out, I remember at one point, and I'm not even joking when I say this. I spent, oh god, I um, well, there's two vouchers every hundred dollars, right? So let me put it mm -hmm. this way, without mm -hmm. dropping numbers, because you guys can do easy math. Uh, it's it's I got <laughs> I got I got eight tickets. Well, I got eight tickets at one point. <laughs> okay, so uh, I uh, wow. Yeah, so I did stock Big up. Big spender over there. <laughs> yeah, granted that was a couple years ago. Um, you know when when they were sure. available and uh, um, but it was just like you guys said, right? I I would use it for basically new releases because that to me made more sense, right? Rather than just older stuff that I either already played or just already owned in some capacity. So. Uh, you know, it was mainly right. just for new releases, things that I knew I wasn't going to personally review that I really wanted. And uh, so I, it was more of an anticipation of that, of like, okay, well, let me just save 20 bucks this way. You know, there's two games that are especially coming out close to each other. So uh, this is a good opportunity right. to, to save mm -hmm. money and, uh, you know, just do it that way as well. So, uh, but I remember my last two vouchers that I had, um, when they were getting rid of them, they were basically forcing expirations as well for whatever dumb reason oh and yeah so yeah you have like a year yep. from when you buy them i think yep and i yeah. i think that's that's really dumb um but uh you know but say love you i suppose uh but i uh the last two that i ended up doing was um paper mario the origami uh king had just come out just in time so i, mm. I ended up doing that one and then uh, the other one I didn't know what to spend on so I just ended up getting Tokyo Mirage Sessions again I had already <laughs> played it on Wii U but I was like you know what eh, fine I'll just have it on Switch because there was nothing really else at the time that really interested me so I used my voucher on that um, but, but Dennis uh, you could have gotten a second copy of 1-2 Switch I, oh god I, 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 there, <laughs> yeah that's why it's called 1-2 Switch yeah 2-4 Switch yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is that yeah. timeline there is that timeline uh, but, but thankfully we don't live in that timeline <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah, no, they were. Really no, I, I think it's worth. I think it's worth noting that also when they did, first had this program, Switch was a bit younger in its lifespan, and so I feel like you know first-party games really didn't go on sale as often. Mm -hmm. I feel like now they still don't go on sale all the time, but you can count on a couple times a year some Nintendo first-party games might go down to like forty bucks. You know. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so I think it's a bit of a harder sell nowadays, but I'm glad the option is back. And yeah, I do wonder why they got rid of it. I'm not sure. That yeah. yeah, doesn't make sense, especially well, when other countries um, still kept it, though. I don't know. It seems like an odd decision. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. a little bit. Well, uh, let's keep moving through our headlines because we got quite a bit to discuss this week. Now, uh, we're, we're heading a little bit back into rumor territory here, and I apologize for that. I know I'm not everyone's a fan of it, but... Damn it, we, we want to know the answer. <laughs> so, um, so 
Did you guys ever see the Detective Pikachu movie that came out? Yep. You did? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I, I, I never saw it myself personally um, because I just, I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan in the world, but I know it, it got a lot of praise. Um, well, they announced a sequel quite a while ago, back in 2019, uh, before they even released the first one. And uh, we just haven't heard anything about it. Uh, but a representative from, I think it was Lionsgate, um, told Polygon that the film is, is still an active development, um, which is, I think, the first update we've had on this game at all, or this movie, excuse me, uh, <laughs> at all, since it was yeah. announced. Although that does also bring up a point that they did also announce a new Detective Pikachu game in, like, 2017. Yep. And... We have yeah. no idea where that is. <laughs> On that note, where's my Pokemon sleep? I haven't slept since this they announced is... it. And just anticipation. <laughs> where is it? I am... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. I. You know, it's... I think a lot of folks kind of figured that this project just wasn't happening anymore. Yeah. I mean, there are so many times these big Hollywood game projects get announced and then they're stuck in development hell and then they just never come out yeah so um well i think so yeah i'll be interested to see what they do i think this. the other thing is that in uh, a couple of years ago the actor for the main character uh, justice smith he was asked about the movie and i think he said that he didn't think a sequel was happening which i think is part of what tipped people off into thinking oh yeah it's probably canceled at that point if the main actor is saying it's probably not happening um so don't know what's up with that. Maybe he's yeah. just not brought on for the sequel. So you wouldn't be aware yeah. Well, of it, they did but... say... Yeah, no, that's a good point. They did say in this Polygon article, and I apologize, it was Legendary Entertainment who said this. They said uh, the project is still in active development, but they could not confirm who was currently working on it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that doesn't <laughs> necessarily give me a lot of hope. Um, and I'm also curious if it would be like a direct sequel to the movie or if it would be more of a... Different take? I'm not sure. Knives I don't really out, know where the first movie kind of left off, but... Yeah, you know, yeah, like a, you know, quasi-spin-off kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. I think there was just a lot yeah. of talk when the movie came out, like, it got generally positive critical reception, and it did well enough in the theaters, but it didn't do astronic, uh, like, just amazingly well. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there was some speculation there that maybe the Pokemon company just didn't want to invest many resources in it because this is a Pokemon, this is, you know, the Pokemon franchise. If they're going to be putting something out, they want it to be gigantic and they want it to be yes. selling just, you know, like Hot Pockets. <laughs> it needs to make all the money. All of the money. And, and if it's not, not then yeah. it's just not worth investing more time into it was kind of the prevailing theory at that yeah. point. Obviously, if they're still yeah. working on it. And even if it, it does... <laughs> the cynical... The cynic in me says, even if it does make a lot of money, they may not invest all the resources yeah. it needs into it. <clears throat> that is true. <clears throat> but, yeah. but the plushies oh, well, and the backpacks and the braided cereal... Yeah. It, it's all incredibly important. <laughs> the Oreos, um, Nick. Well, the Oreos. I'll be honest, I'm more focused right now on the Super Mario Bros. movie, and, uh, you know, we're getting more details trickling out about that. People were very excited for the movie poster that yeah. came out this week. Hey, um, that was a great movie poster. I, 
It, it was. It was a good movie poster. Yeah. I watched uh, Arlo's video on it. We, we all love Arlo around here, I'm sure. And uh, he, he pointed out something which I didn't even notice, which was they had a new type of Koopa yeah. in the poster <laughs> that had a blue shell on him, and people were freaking out because they're like, oh my god, it's a new character? New, new lore for the Mario <laughs> franchise? <laughs> the lore, yes. <laughs> That's what we're all here for, <laughs> is the lore. It's, it's going to get, oh yeah, it's going to get wild, I, I'm sure. Um, I can't wait to see how people will just meme this movie to hell and back oh, it's once it's out. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, enough about movies. Let's talk about games, since that's what we're all here for. I mean, I presume. Maybe you all just love the sound of my voice, and maybe that's why you're listening. That's why I'm um, But sure. yeah, I think, yeah. Oh, thanks, Status. <laughs> so kind. Uh, well, we're going to start off with a little bit of bad news for some folks. So uh, it's just funny because we were talking about dodgeball video games on the last episode of the show. And uh, this week we learned that one of the big ones, Knockout City, uh, is no longer going to be playable. They are shuttering down that game, EA is. Um, and yeah, so this was, I, I'm not sure if any of you guys have played it, but this was, it was a multiplayer-centric competitive shooter basically but it was a dodgeball game and so you were just kind of in these big arenas throwing dodgeballs at folks and um it didn't i don't think it had a huge following when it landed but um i think the folks who played it really enjoyed it yeah i mean they've done nine seasons of this game so far so yeah honestly i'm a little surprised that it was still around in the first place because it did get a little bit of buzz at launch and like you said some people we're having a lot of fun with it, but I just haven't seen anyone talk about this in like the last two years. Yeah, um, it, it it's a shame because when the game had first come out, um, I I did play it and man, I I fell in love with it. And this is coming from someone who doesn't really play multiplayer games um, or invest a lot of time uh -huh. into multiplayer games, especially live service games like these. But I, I couldn't put it down, man. My girlfriend and I, we, we played it. God, I mean, we must have played it for three months straight. Like, it was that good. Like, it was that addictive. And, like, that's how we spent our days, morning, afternoons, and nights, just playing Knockout <laughs> City. And, like, the mechanics just felt oh, really wow. good. It was a very fluid, fluid game. It was easy to pick up. Um, and it felt very rewarding. It was just nonstop fun. My only problem with Knockout City was I didn't, I wasn't too crazy for the art direction of, like, the character designs and uh, and there was a lot of customization, but um, again because of how again for me personally I it, it, I just how all of the um, customization was handled artistically um, it just it, going to the store and stuff I didn't really have much sense to do that you know once I found a cool outfit I was just like okay I'll just stick with this and that's all I wore for the pretty much the entire time that I played you know even though they were constantly bringing out new stuff. Um, but uh, but cosmetics aside, uh, yeah, that might be a feature for some. Yeah, I get you know, it. Not true. having to having a game where you can just focus on the game itself right. and not <laughs> spending virtual currency and stuff. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, uh, but um, but you know, cosmetics aside, the game itself was man, it was just so much fun. The maps were great. The uh, they really just nailed down the core gameplay loop of that. And uh, yeah, servers were solid. There was cross save and cross play, which all worked. Right. You know, I would be on my Switch playing with PC or vice versa, um, you know, or on Xbox and PlayStation, and all of that ran fine, played great, everything crossed over without issue. It was, 
seamless it was great and yeah i'm gonna miss um because it was like i said i'm not a multiplayer guy but it was one of the few ones that really gripped me and uh kept me playing for you know not the whole time obviously it was only for three months but it was three very consistent months you know that's how i spent my my entire day for three months straight which is you know a lot more yeah. than what most games can do honestly <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah, it's just, you know, it, it, worth noting that this is also not the first shutdown announcement we've had recently. Uh, we also learned this week that Rumbleverse, which was Epic's other kind of experimental battle royale game, that's shutting down. Uh, we learned recently that Marvel's Avengers uh, is getting delisted from all of its platforms. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I, I think they're really, you know, we've been at this point for a while. And it feels like their writing's been on the wall that just, mm -hmm. there's so many of these types of games out there. The market is so oversaturated. Most folks who play these games are probably just gonna stick with one or two that they play really, you know, like all the time. Yeah. And then the rest of them just kind of seem to fade and die off and it's sad because people work on these projects, but you know, it just clearly the player base, there's not enough of a player base to keep all these games running yeah. for an extended well, period of time. And that that's my biggest problem with these types of games too, is I think there's, they have a shelf life, you know, it, it, it's, and it's, that's what's always in the back of my head is like, and that's why it keeps me from wanting to spend any sort of premium currency, you know, or get any premium currency and spend real money on a, a free to play game like that. Cause I, I know it's like throwing money into the trash. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I just I don't have a. Yeah, you're like I'm not gonna be able to play this game in a year. Right. Why would I sink all this exactly time and money into it? Exactly. You know? And like yeah. you know, if you give me like 99 cent offerings here and there, that's fine. But you know, again, if you know when you have let's just say like a founders pack, that's you know which most of these have that are like 30 bucks plus. You know, it's just that to me is not worth it for something that I that can't guarantee um, me being able to play it even you know next week <laughs> you know it just that that lack of uh comfort and consistency within live service games is a big reason why i stay away from a lot of them you know which is a shame because a lot of them are fun and that's why i think a lot of them should give offline options but they don't and then you know this happens and then they're gone forever and then you know it becomes a you know a, nothing but a memory <laughs> you know is is what these games are so yeah it's unfortunate but uh, yeah it's the, how the world works, I guess. Well, it is worth noting, yeah, it is worth noting that Knockout City is doing something that doesn't usually happen, which is, even though they're taking the game offline in June, um, they are going to be releasing a standalone version of the game for Windows that can be, basically let players host their own private games. So, at least there will still be some way for folks who are into the game to host their own servers, and it's like an officially, you know, designated way to do that yeah which you don't see a lot of no no i mean it's um, good that they're making yeah the that's effort, you know compared to most you know most yeah. just sort of sunset it you won't see that coming to switch i'm sure <laughs> no. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well um so yeah it's, it's a bit of a bummer but uh we do have some some new game announcements to talk about too though kind of outweigh the the don't want to be a debbie downer on the show for <laughs> for too long um so, NIS America, uh, they've been, I'd say, announcing all kinds of stuff lately. I mean, they're, they're digging deep into their back catalog, for one, um, but they're also announcing some new games, and some of them we kind of had hints at that they were uh, in the works for a while, but 
we finally got a, an official confirmation from them that the new Disgaea game, uh, Disgaea 7, is launching in North America and Europe. Um, it is called Disgaea 7, Vows of the Virtuous, and it is coming this fall. Um, now, I've never played these games. All I really know is uh, they have a huge roster of characters, um, and uh, they're very silly strategy RPGs. Yeah, they have I, big I'm, numbers. I'm very familiar with... with <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, like you're like taking off like a million damage points. Oh, I think way more than that. Right? It's like 50 quintillion damage or something. <laughs> it gets silly. Have you played these games, Nicholas? I haven't. I've seen some footage of them here and there, and I think I played a demo for... Uh, I think it was Disgaea 4 when the Switch was still young, because <laughs> there wasn't too much else, so I tried okay. that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have not actually played through games. They just look like a lot. <laughs> That's a great word for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of the new, I guess, additions in, in this game that I found kind of funny... Um, it's it's a new feature. It may sound a little familiar to our Pokemon fans out there. Uh, it's called Jumbification, which basically <laughs> is like Gigantamaxing. You can make your characters very large, let them grow to supersized proportions, the game description says, and inflict larger-than-life damage. So yeah, if you want to see a big version of Prinny, which is the little penguin character, just decimating all the characters on your Switch screen, uh, this may be the game for you. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, for for my yeah. part, I like that name more. <laughs> Jumpification, Jumpification is a fantastic name. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of that, that SpongeBob reference where they're like, no, you have to turn it to W for Wumbo. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a deep cut. I'm not sure if uh, this is the right forum for those types of references, but... <laughs> Damn it, it's my show. Just <laughs> waiting for that one person in the comments just, be, just being like, I, I love that reference. <laughs> just, just waiting for that guy. This is what happens when I have coffee this early on a Sunday morning <laughs> during a record session. Um, yeah, no, I I think the reason I haven't dug into these games is because I think there's, a, again, this is more of a personal problem than anything, but there's always a lot of like callbacks to the other games in the series, and we're on the seventh one now, and I think I'm just gonna cut my losses and just just kind of write this write this one off, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, can't play everything. Um, but yeah, no. Talking about NIS America, though. So this may be a new release, but they've also been releasing a ton of their older stuff. They've released some of the older Dis Disgaea games on Switch. To your point, Nicholas. They've also been uh, releasing these kind of compilations over the past year or two called uh, Prinny Presents, which are like remasters slash ports of these old PSP games, some of which have never come uh, west before. So they're they're really going hard on their back catalog. And uh, another game that they announced this week that I'm not super familiar with, but it, it was one of those kind of more experimental games they made. Uh, it's called Rhapsody, Marl Kingdom Chronicles. And uh, now for those who aren't familiar, these are the first time, it's, it's a compilation of two games in a series uh, that have never been released in the West before. So uh, the first game was called Rhapsody, A Musical Adventure, and, but we never got the second and third ones. Um, and so yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of history that's coming West. These seem like they're very, uh, very kind of cutesy, you know, RPGs. I, I, it's hard to get a sense from the gameplay exactly, but um, definitely seems to kind of fit in line with 
the types of stories they try and tell. Just very lighthearted and whimsical. Yeah, this is not a series I've ever heard of, which I think is also why it's kind of exciting that they are bringing it over, right? Like, <laughs> it's always fun to have right. access to these older games that you might not have heard of because they were never imported over. And uh, being able to experience them now is it's a treat. And the game itself looks it looks pretty pretty. It uh, I like the the sprite work on it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. I I one thing that impressed me is just how animated all the characters are. Mm-hmm. Um, all the characters and enemies, like you get a little glimpse of the combat gameplay, and everything's all bouncing all over the place, and it, it looks charming. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm just not really familiar with it, so it makes it an interesting decision for them to bring it over, since it, it doesn't have that kind of, I think, brand name recognition for a lot of folks. Yeah, I, I love I love this sort of revival of um, uh, classics that we've been having, mm-hmm. whether they're remasters or ports of games that we just never got in the West. And God knows there are a lot of games we've never gotten in the West, so they could keep doing this for yeah. a very, yeah. very long time, not just NIS, but, you know, plenty of publishers. So, um, yeah, no, I'm all for it, man. Bring, bring them all. Bring them all, because th- this game looks really great, honestly, to me. It's nice to think yeah, that there's someone out there that just is losing their goddamn mind at this announcement. Uh, like this, right. well, this was their favorite you, game you that never got it. translated. Now it's here, and they're just yeah. losing it. <laughs> they have physical like Japanese yeah. imports like, and stuff like that. They yeah. just think they have like a you know probably probably you know on the shelf on like a case all protected and everything. And now it's just like oh my god, <laughs> like, yeah, they're probably <laughs> losing it right. They'll probably drop their mug and yeah. everything glass shattered. No. Like. <laughs> No, you guys are 100% right. I'm looking at the YouTube comments for the trailer right now, and some folks are like, I almost burst with excitement when I saw this announced. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and like, I've been, and someone else said, I've been waiting 24 years for this. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it is making some people very happy. So I'm very happy for those folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, another game that we got announced this week, maybe a little bit less of a surprise, but still interesting nonetheless. We're getting another MLB The Show game. MLB The Show 23, which is, believe it or not, a Sony's super realistic baseball game. Um, that was a big shock. The first time they announced that this big formerly PlayStation exclusive baseball game series was coming to other platforms. So you can play these games, even though they used to be PlayStation exclusives, you can now play them on Switch. You can play them on Xbox, on Xbox Game Pass. Um, still kind of blows my mind that they got this game running <laughs> at all on Switch, frankly. Well, um, running is a they're having... subjective. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it's there. It's there natively. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, to be clear, like, when the version came out last year, uh, folks were not super impressed with the Switch port. I mean, you look at this game in motion on a PS5, and you can tell that they were going to have to make some compromises to get it running, but... I don't think some folks were quite prepared for <laughs> just how much of a of a downgrade, let's call it what it is, how much of a downgrade the Switch version was. But if you're looking for portable baseball, I mean, it's probably your best bet. I'd, yeah, I'd I mean, there's, still no, there's still no Mario Sluggers, as far as I know. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yep, there's a gap in the market. Yeah, Switch Sports <laughs> doesn't have baseball either. I mean, come on, no. Nintendo. Yeah. Get your act together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a uh, there's going to be a technical test for this one on the Switch. Uh, so maybe a good way to uh, kind of test the waters and see if the portability is worth the, the trade-offs for you personally. Um, 
but yeah. Yep. That's happening from I, the you know, I, 15th I like... to the 21st, I think. So about a week from then, this, from when yes. this will go up, roughly. Yeah, thank you, Nicholas. Um, yeah, you know, I've never really dug into these games. I enjoy, like, watching baseball in person, but I'm not a huge sports guy uh, in general. That said, like, I feel like sports video games are kind of a different beast than, like, watching sports, mm -hmm. you know? And I yeah. think, like, I could potentially get very into a game like this if I tried it. But I just don't know if I would do it on the Switch. Because I feel like part of the reason you play is you want the simulation mm -hmm. experience, right? That being said, you know, having, I mean, shoot, like, playing through a whole round of baseball can take a while. <laughs> so I can see the appeal in having something like this on the go. Dennis, what do you think? Baseball? Uh, it's it's <laughs> not, you know, for for me. You know, I'm, I'm not the one that's, you know, <laughs> I don't really, I've, I've been to a few baseball games in person, actually, but, um, you know, I was invited. Those, those weren't by choice. So, they, it, you know, it's not... <laughs> I can live without it. it you're, you know. you're staying in the you're staying in the dugout. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I got hot dogs at home. I, I don't need to go there. You know? So it, I'm good. All right. Well, um, that pretty much wraps up most of our new game announcements for the week. Uh, but did want to give a quick update on a release date for a game that I think Dennis and I are both very excited for. Nicholas, I'm not sure if you've heard of this one. It's called Loop Eight: Summer of Gods. Are you familiar with this game, Nicholas? I think I may have seen the title, but no, I had no idea what this was about. <laughs> okay, it, it looks super cool. So it, it looks like a mix of, it looks in a lot of ways very Persona-like, which I know people say that about all kinds of games <laughs> nowadays, but I feel like that actually really kind of fits this one. Um, it's, they kind of they describe it as a coming of age RPG. You're, it's in, set in 1980s rural Japan. It's, you know, you are like fighting enemies and stuff, but it seems like this game in particular has a huge focus on recreating, you know, the Japanese countryside and you are, you know, building up social relationships with the various folks in the town and making friends. And then there's a turn-based combat element where, you know, it kind of, depending on the relationships that you've built with different characters that can affect your strategies and combat. Um, so that's all really cool. But then there's the art style, which just, frankly just looks stunning um it's it's it really does feel like you're watching a moving piece of artwork you know yeah that's the thing that stood out to me when i saw the trailer uh the only thing is i'm not entirely sure like the gameplay i get the whole walking around interacting with people it kind of like you said it gives me persona vibes and also uh kind of reminds me of a space for the inbound in terms of something that came out recently yeah. I'm just not sure where the art style was the, yeah. like RPG elements fit into it in terms of combat potentially <laughs> or what you use like those stats or relationships for. But I will say I am intrigued because like you said, it is very pretty. I really do like this art style. Yeah. I'm... Yeah. They haven't shown much of the combat yet, but I think at least for me personally, you know, I, I love games that have these kind of life sim elements and especially if you're mixing that with some fantastical and modern day elements all at the same time. It's like it's like the perfect combo for me for a good story that I can get sucked into. Honestly, like it's the slice of life elements that I think kind of give it a sort of wholesome and grounded nature. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love the Atelier games so much. So I actually get somewhat, at least mm. narratively, I get a sort of Atelier vibe from this, but artistically and gameplay wise, actually, Personally, I get more of a mix of like Nino Kuni 
and um, I don't know if you guys remember Attack of the Friday Monsters on 3DS. Yeah. That, that's what I feel a lot when looking at this, and I love all of those things. So, you know, you kind of compile that. That's a great point. And make, you know, Loop 8 have... And while Loop 8 still has its own identity, and yeah, the game just looks absolutely stunning. You know, I, I just hope the combat isn't so... Um, I, I hope it's refined because bad combat can absolutely ruin what could be potentially a good game. You know, even if it happens few and far between and it's not the main focus of the game, it, it can be a big downer mm-hmm. if it's not done well. So I'm, I'm hoping at least they sort of get the mechanics down on that because honestly, if this game ends up being like 90% just life sim, just talking and just walking around, that's fine. I'm completely cool with that. But if you're going to have combat, which I'm cool with as well, um, and have more of an RPG focus to it, um, you know, just make sure that it's you know, just really, you know, that, it, that that it's good because it can it can absolutely make a game, you know, ma- make or break a game, um, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. Well, we know this one is now coming out uh, June 6th, so that's exciting. This this may be one of those rare day one pickups <laughs> for me, yeah, um, depending on what else we get to see of the game. Uh, in advance, a use for but, a game voucher, um, mayhaps? Oh, true, very true. Well, yeah. I wish you could use them for anything and everything. Oh, but yeah. yeah it's I think, limited. think you can only use them for first-party stuff, right? Uh, for the maybe. Most mostly, yeah. Mostly, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's. But to be fair, that physical copy is nice. I don't know if you guys have seen that Celestial edition of Luke Ape, but my it does Lord. look nice. Oh my God, it looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's rare for me to get super excited about like a physical collector's edition, but it's a it's a good-looking package for oh, yeah. sure. Um, all right, Nicholas, have you been busy with uh, some Monster Hunter? Uh, well, I wish I was. I've been or, getting um, my butt proverbially kicked by Metroid Dread, but I do want to get back into Monster uh, Hunter yes. before this update comes out. Yes, we just learned about the uh, new title update coming to Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, which, Nicholas, I really put this on the show specifically for you because <laughs> Thank you. I feel like you'd be sad if we didn't talk about <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, I'm what do we got? What, what are you looking for? I am to? slightly disappointed by, and this is not actually disappointed by the presentation, but it's the fact that a lot of this data was um, data mined from the game like several months back. And so sadly, if people have been posting this information or if you've seen it, you kind of know a lot of what's already in the updates, which is a bit of a shame, but that's not mm. like the developer's fault or anything. Uh, regardless of that, this is fun and i'm looking forward to it there's the main attraction here is that there are two new monsters being added to the game uh one is the flagship monster the main monster from the last game uh monster hunter world iceborne which was monster hunter world's expansion uh and then the other returning or the other new monster is a basically a beefed up variant of a monster that was already in the game uh called risen crimson glow valstrax which is quite a handful of a name um yeah but yeah sounds very dramatic it's uh it's a bit much honestly um <laughs> but yeah both of these look nice otherwise there's just going to be some i think some smaller quality of life updates and smaller additions like certain monsters appearing in different quests or um new items you can exchange at some of the shops stuff like that they announced a bunch of new event quests some of the latest dlc uh, there's this really mm. kind of cool thing they're doing um, where it's a costume for one of your dogs that basically looks like this new ice dragon that you can get for free if you've signed up for a Capcom ID. So that's kind of neat. Um, 
That is pretty cool. But yeah, honestly, this is, it's, it feels like a pretty standard title update. There's not anything mind-blowing or super noteworthy. They're just like, hey, you know, this is some new content for the game. Uh, here's a couple of new monsters. Here's a couple of new features. There's a look ahead at some of the new content we're getting. Um, that's about it. I think yeah. the, the only other main I'm thing just... is that we now know the fifth update is coming out in April. So we have a bit of a timeline for that. And presumably that will be the final title update for the game. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but it seems like that would be the direction they're going with this. Well, I was just going to say, it, it is crazy to me. Uh, in the article on the site, I was reading through it and I learned this game is on version 14 now. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what they're... Like, and this game has only been out for, like, what, two years? Um, up on? Yeah, so, Space Rise came out in uh, March 21. Yeah, okay, yeah. So just about two years. They've been consistently adding content to, to this game to the point that they're on version 14. I feel like if you're picking up this game nowadays for the first time, you're just getting a fundamentally just different experience from people who picked up the game at the start. Yeah, there is... what it seems like. There's a lot of stuff. A, a lot of it is endgame content that's being added onto it, so starting the game, you might not have as much stuff to do, but once you start getting into mid-to-endgame content, there's just so much. If you pick up a Monster Hunter game after it's already released and it's been out for a few months, maybe a year, there's just a huge mountain of stuff <laughs> that you have to do. Yeah. It's all, it can honestly be a little yeah. bit overwhelming just because where do you start? Uh, but conversely, right. also, you have a lot to do. You're going to be able to spend a lot of time with this game if that's something that you want to do. A lot of options yep. is probably a good way to put it. Yeah. Very cool. All right, well, let's uh, shift over to our weekly releases category where we just kind of talk about some of the stuff that came out this past week. Uh, we mentioned quite a few games in last week's episode, most of which have already come out. Uh, some of the games we talked about last week that came out this week were uh, Life is Strange 2, the surprise port of that, that totally came out of the blue, uh, The Pathless, which is the very fast-paced action parkour game from Giant Squid, the makers of Abzu. Uh, Trek to Yomi, which was the very noir, filmy uh, samurai game that's all in black and white uh, that originally came out on Xbox. Uh, Gunscape, which was the weird relic from the Wii U days <laughs> that was announced that never came out. That's the first person shooter with Minecraft-like base building elements. And uh, Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> like, those all came out in the past week, and I feel like we just talked about them, like, <laughs> a week or two ago, which is crazy. It's been a pretty busy week. Did you guys know that uh, Power Wash Simulator, it, on top of the weird Tomb Raider <laughs> DLC that they're launching that game with, it also came with Final Fantasy VII <laughs> DLC, yeah, where you can literally clean things in Midgar. <laughs> Honestly, that's just amazing. That's such a clever thing to be doing and putting in the game. <laughs> that game is so wild. I, I played a little bit of it because I think it's on Game Pass, so I think that's how I played it. I can't remember. It was a while ago, but... It is, um, yeah. But, yeah, I, that game had no right being as good as it was because I I like, I like was like, well, I'm only going to play about 10 minutes of it. Next thing you know, three, three and a half, four hours passed by <laughs> I just wanted to try it because I saw people talking about it on Twitter and I was like, yeah, yeah, forget it. I'll try it, right? The next thing you know, I was like, I can't stop cleaning things. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so 
Yeah. We have a review yeah, up for it on so the site. I, think... uh, I highly recommend checking it out. It is a very good review. <laughs> it, it is a great review. Yes. Yes. Eden did a great job. Um, yeah. No, it's just, it's so funny to me. I, I, again, I really don't know why Square Enix decided to publish this game. But they're clearly trying to make the most of it by putting all their IP in it. Yeah. And I just I wonder what what could the next Square Enix thing be that we get to clean in a Power Wash Simulator? What do you guys think? Uh, Parasite Eve. Just clean all the <laughs> clean all Ooh, the gunk. And that's a the, good one. The the well yeah all that destruction that's been going around. <laughs> I would take a DLC that is. Octopath or Life Alive themed, something that just has an HD2D art style on it. Oh, I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see uh, a Deus Ex uh, DLC for oh, Power Wars Simulator, too. mostly just so I can hear Adam Jensen making gruff, sarcastic comments about what he has to clean <laughs> while we're cleaning it. And honestly, Adam, Adam Jensen's apartment could use a power wash, let's be honest. <laughs> But yeah, so those were those were all games that we just talked about recently. Um, we also mentioned, I think, a couple episodes ago, uh, the new SpongeBob game that came out, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants: The Cosmic Shake, which is notable mostly for just being a totally original 3D SpongeBob platformer. Um, reception on that one seems kind of mixed so far. Some people really, really like it. Some people are much more mixed on it. Say it's it's pretty short. Platforming doesn't feel that great. Um, it sounds like your your mileage with that game is really going to come down to how much love you have for the SpongeBob IP, which is about, I think, what I would have predicted with that one. Yeah, it's. I mean, as a, as a platformer, though, I mean, I think it does look good. I I, I can't speak to it because I haven't played it myself. Um, I thought about getting it, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I like I like SpongeBob, but it, you know, it's nothing that you know, it's not a I like it enough that it'd be a day one buy for me. <laughs> you know, uh, I can sure, I can wait sure. out on it. Um, you know, maybe potential Game Pass release. We'll see. Yeah, seems pretty likely. Adventure. Um, yeah, worth noting that our reviewer gave it a thumbs down. But I mean, I just I would and like I I I get it. I do, but um, but I was reading some other reviews for it, and there were just certain things that were just absolutely just making me excited for it. Um, and it probably is because I grew up with the cartoon. Sure. And But just hearing some of the references and stuff like that, I'm like, oh my god, that sounds like so much fun. So, And it definitely seems like the developers are passionate. So I, I hope that some folks out there are enjoying it, at least, despite the, the mixed performance. Yeah. Uh, does sound like the, the Switch... Oh, are, sorry, Dennis. No, 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 that's okay. I, I was just, I was going to ask if, are like, are, because I haven't actually read any reviews for myself, are people more or less enjoying it more or than, um, what was it, the Rehydrated, the one that came out last year, about a year and a half ago? Well, I think what folks have been saying is that um, the, the remaster of Rehydrated, um, this one actually, in some ways, feels like kind of a regression in the sense that there's not multiple playable characters. Um, you know, the, the platforming doesn't feel quite the same in some regards, and some people aren't really a fan of that. Also, it sounds like the Switch version does have some performance issues. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so yeah, your mileage may vary. But, um, but yeah, hopefully some folks out there are enjoying it. 
Um, I want to shout out, before we move on to our, our final section, uh, just a really just interesting premise <laughs> for an indie game that came out this week. So it's called Fashion Police Squad. And um, take a wild guess <laughs> what, what this game is about. <laughs> you are literally, you are armed with a, with a gun and you are going around town finding people who are breaking uh, the fashion rules and you are uh, using your tailor-made uh, sewing machine gun to uh, to fix their fashion crimes. <laughs> it's it's an amazing so game. So it's a first-person shooter. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like a Doom-like first-person shooter, but you're dressing people up in nicer clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this you know, is the a, simple thing. This is <laughs> it's, it's the simple thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to read. I just want to read this excerpt from the eShop description, and I'm going to read this in a very dramatic voice. Okay. <laughs> Even at this moment, our fashionable city is under assault. Baggy pants, dull suits, sightings of socks with sandals. A message needs to be sent, and it needs to be sent in style. So that's that's the vibe <laughs> of this game, in a nutshell. <laughs> I've already. You're welcome. Uh, a, I know no one asked for that dramatic reading. It's in my cart right now. That's, <laughs> I'm, I'm checking out as we speak. Yeah. I'm just amazed with what people come up with. I I, I kind of want to play this game just out of curiosity because it's such a bonkers concept. Yeah. I have seen uh, gameplay of it, I think for the the Steam version, um, a few months ago. And it, it looks really fun. Like, even outside of just the wacky, silly premise. It generally, it generally looks like a really well-built first-person shooter with some pretty fun mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, we and we've seen a lot of these, the, the whole resurgence in this genre of old-school first-person shooters coming back to that we're at the point now where folks are getting really creative with the art style and the theming of it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, you love to see it. Um, and there was one more game I want to talk about, but I, I've actually been playing it myself. So let's... Let's move on to our final section of the show, which is, what have we all been playing lately? Which, uh, I think, Nicholas, didn't I say we need to get a, a new name for this section? Uh, you did. That's in the works. <laughs> Any ideas? Dennis, what's a catchier name than what have we been playing this week? <laughs> uh, uh, backlog. Bash. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Back. Super backlog we're, bash. No, we're, we're, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. No, I like that. We're going with oh, that. No. Super backlog bash ultimate. Oh, no. <laughs> until we until we find something better. That is it's, the it's, new official name. It's a working project title. <laughs> it's a working yes, working title. Yeah. Uh, All right. Square uh, stratagem. <laughs> Scotty <yes>. Yes. <laughs> Well, uh, what I have been playing this week, my main focus has been an indie game that just launched on the Switch and other platforms called Rhythm Sprout. And uh, the, the subtitle that I've seen in certain places is Sick Beats and Bad Sweets. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> this is just, it's an absolutely, yeah. No, that's the right reaction, Dennis, just pure laughter. Um, this is just, an absolutely charming rhythm game. You play as this little, well, he's a little sprout, he's a little vegetable. Can't quite tell if he's an onion or a turnip, but uh, the whole game is themed around uh, like different like food. 
So you're a soldier for the Vegetable Kingdom, and it has been invaded by, uh, they're called the Army of Bad Sweets, and uh, they're led by the horrible uh, King Sugar Daddy, is his name. <laughs> and um, yeah, that should give you a sense for where this game is going in terms of its, uh, its story. It's, it's really fun in a lot of ways. I, I do have some problems with it, um, I'm in the middle of writing a review for it, but I can't deny that just like from a presentation perspective, it's just really, really funny, really funny writing, um, clever, you know, settings and character design. Um, the music is is pretty good. Um, it's it's we're having a bit of a resurgence for rhythm games. Also, I feel like we're seeing a lot more smaller projects coming out, mm -hmm. and uh, this one I think for the most part. Hit, hit the mark for what it was trying to do. I'm glad to hear it lived up to the hype. Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of the problems I have with it, and I, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is going on. So this game, one of my problems with it is the difficulty, and I don't necessarily mean that in that it's too difficult. I, I think I have a problem with how the controls work in combination with the way the notes are. So you have to use, you basically have three different types of notes you have to hit. One of the types of notes, you have to use the right buttons on your Joy-Con, um, like the face buttons, the, the other type of notes, you have to use like the D-pad basically. And then you have shoulder buttons that you have to hit. Um, and it's just something about the controls is just not really clicking with me personally. I think it could also just be the fault of the Switch Joy-Cons. I mean, they're very kind of small, cramped controllers, and hitting those buttons at the speed at which the game requires you to, it is ergonomically, it doesn't really feel like it works. But at the same time, I'm like, I was struggling. I was like, like what is the better solution to this? Like, I even went in and I was trying to remap some of the controls to make it seem, you know, maybe more intuitive to my brain and seeing if it was just a personal thing I couldn't get past. But um, but yeah, I just throughout the whole game, I just I really struggled with the controls. Even when I felt like I was nailing the timing, I felt like I was missing a lot of notes. Hmm. And um, and so I figured the other issue might have been, oh, well, maybe it's a latency problem because this game, rhythm games in general, you, you know, your latency is super important. But the thing that kind of irks me about this game is that even though it does have ways for you to set like your latency and make sure that you're compensating for whatever screen you're working on. It doesn't have a way to like auto calibrate it, which a lot of games uh. do. You you can do it you can do it manually and you can go through kind of like a guided process, but every time I calibrated, I was getting different results, and so I never really felt like I was able to hit the notes perfectly, like no matter how I calibrated it. Which again could just be me being bad, but I'm usually pretty good at rhythm games, and so I feel like this one is not on me as much um but in spite of all that i did still have a good time with the game it's it's a lot of fun yeah it seems like it seems like to me that not much changed because um that was i i played the demo god it must have been about a, a year and some change ago um i want to say probably during a, a summer fest um uh thing and uh i got sent a steam code for it 
for the demo and that was my problem also was like i found it super charming i thought the music was great um but it, it even on a keyboard the it the controls didn't feel like it it just didn't feel intuitive you know and um so i i absolutely understand that and it's it's too bad that they didn't really fix that up because that was like a long time ago i played that demo i did actually get sent a code on pc from tiny build um mm. for the for the full release um so i'll have to try it myself um and you know see how it is now that it's completely done but uh but i, I did like what i played at the time and uh i was having a great time with it honestly you know even though the controls weren't you know as tight as you would expect for a rhythm game rhythm game especially with you know calibration can be everything you know for for a rhythm game especially yeah. when it comes down to latency so um yeah that's uh that's unfortunate but but you know but you're still having fun with it though so that's that's good yeah well let me know when you do play it because i'll be curious to see if you are still having the same issues because i again it's hard sometimes to tell like is it the game or am i just not good at it see you know? i was wondering <laughs> the same thing too because i play so many rhythm especially games. if it's granted you know i mean just because, right but you know i mean it's also one of those things too right where it's like you know you can play a lot of something because you enjoy it it's not because you're trying to get better at it you know what i mean so it's it's like i play a lot of fighting games it's but true. i'm not i'm not particularly good at them you know even though i've been playing them since i was a kid yeah. you know i'm not going to be there you know uh, you know at you know going you know at the grand finals at you know at evo you're not going to see me there <laughs> you know what i mean uh right but uh, right. but i still very much enjoy playing them and it's the same thing with rhythm games but i i do i do think i am pretty good at rhythm games so i i don't i don't know yeah rhythm sprout definitely makes you question some things <laughs> yeah well i think overall i'd still recommend it but yeah just go into it with those caveats in mind if you're nervous about that kind of thing um nicholas what about you what have you been digging into this past week um so like i mentioned i have been playing some metroid dread dread mode which has been an interesting experience uh, -huh. uh i also played some of the uh, final fantasy theater rhythm demo that went up uh well sometime oh, this week yeah and that's been fun as well since i don't have that much experience with rhythm games so kind of messing around with that and trying it out has been it's been fun yeah i'm uh i'm shocked at i mean it seems like a pretty generous demo they're giving you like mm -hmm. what 30 songs to play uh something like that there's quite a few it's across six different games i believe and they're each they each average about like four ish songs three to four songs some of them have a few more so there's a solid selection of songs you can actually try out. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. I am, um, yeah, this game, I, I do definitely want to play it because I love Final Fantasy. I love the music in those games. Um, and uh, it's just is shocking to me just how much, how many songs they are putting <laughs> in this game. Like, it is bordering on nonsensical. I think if you buy the DLC, we're talking like, what, like 600 songs? It's insane. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, yeah but um but yeah I, you know as much as i want to play it, it's just it's coming out at this really busy time so i feel like i'm not gonna get to it right away um but rhythm games i mean you can pick up anytime and have a great time yeah. they don't really uh... see my problem with it is that i literally bought um what's the name of 3ds one curtain call like maybe a month before this game was announced <laughs> So, because the eShop was closed, exactly. right? So now I'm at this point yeah, where it's like, I well, do I buy thing. this? But I already have the 3DS one, but like... Uh. I did the same thing. Yeah. I was like, we may never get another one of these. I should just buy it before the shop closes. Yeah. And then lo and behold, 
probably the definitive version of this game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, but then there there is a difference it in that content, you know yeah. the main way to play. Well, and also the main way to play on the 3DS is with your stylus, you know. Oh, is it? So I imagine the actual mechanics. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you could probably play with button controls too, but um, I think the game is built to be played with a stylus and you know hitting the notes and sliding up and down the screen. That so makes sense. Honestly, that was the one different. part of this game that was a bit <laughs> that I was having trouble getting a grasp of is the um, the holding curving notes. Some of those just felt. I don't know if it was my brain that's just not wired properly for this yet, but I was having a hard time getting grasped of a few of those. Yeah. Well, I um, I think it's, yeah. It, it'll be one of those things that once it lands, a lot of people will probably feel that way. But, these, I mean, they keep making these games, so. Yep. I mean, it is fun. Um, they, they, it was a very cool. fun game to try out. So. And it has a save data transfer, I'm awesome. pretty sure. So any progress you make in the demo itself will just carry over to the whole game, which is always nice to have. Yeah, doesn't hurt to give it a shot then if you're on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Dennis, what about you? What have you been playing lately? Yeah, so I've mainly been playing. Um, I've mainly been playing Fire Emblem, the new Fire Emblem Engage. Uh, it's it's great, man. I, I can't I can't put it down. Even though I haven't been playing as much as I would like. Granted, my profile said I already put about thirty hours into it, so clearly I've been playing it. But <laughs> uh, for some reason I haven't. I, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like I played that much for some reason. I, I think, which I guess is probably a good thing because it compared to other Fire Emblems and especially how Three Houses was. Um, I'm realizing now. At first, I was a little disappointed by the seemingly lack of depth that the sort of hub world had. Um, in this one compared uh-huh. to three houses where you had this gigantic, you know, campus to run around in. Um, but that's actually good because it's helped me, um, it's helped streamline the process of playing that game and keep me more focused in what it is that I'm doing. So, you know, I, in three houses, I mean, dude, I would spend upwards of like an hour sometimes just running around that place talking to people you know especially if you're trying to find them <laughs> you know they could be anywhere um you know and then you, you know you want to go fishing here but then on the entire other side of this campus you gotta you know um you know that's where you you know go to you know you go to the like the main hall you know and then uh, a whole other side you gotta come back and you know to the little greenhouse area and it's just it's huge um versus right uh engage where you just have this nice little it's super detailed it's a nice calming serene um place that you have uh everything just sort of it feels more like a plaza um and it's not too small it's not definitely not the size of three houses but um but it's it's enough to feel like that, you know, you're able to move around freely um, and still get, uh, you know, that sense of, well, yeah, just that sense of freedom really is the best way to, to, to put it without overwhelming you and getting you completely sidetracked from, you know, the main purpose of the game, you know, so because I'm someone who, I, I, I love the stories in Fire Emblem, so, you know, I, the Three Houses always felt like it was trying to take me some other direction away from the main story just because of the amount of side quests, right? And then the amount of um, things I could do with, um, you know, the 
you know, all, all the support systems and stuff like that, trying to, you know, gift things to people, trying to do these activities with people, mm -hmm. you know, study with somebody, cook with somebody, go eat with somebody, go fishing with somebody, whatever. This one feels much more streamlined, and I appreciate that because I, you know, you're able to just move forward without feeling like you're wasting too much time. I felt like I waste, wasted a lot of time in three houses, you know, not not to say it was a bad thing. Again, I was having fun the whole time while doing it, but looking back on it, you know, again, it's just like, man, that, that you know, close to 100 hours I spent in three houses, you know, really a lot of it was just me just getting distracted, you know, and I, I think if I wasn't so distracted and could focus on the game more uh, intently, um, I think I probably yeah. would have. Well, I think that's. Yeah. I think that's where like some some people are a little bit divided over this game, right? Because some people like how you know this game. Every everything you do is very much about getting you ready for the next battle, getting you prepared, and yeah. then getting you moving forward. You know, whereas folks who may have jumped in with three houses who may have enjoyed a little bit more of the I don't want to say meandering approach, but you know there was a bit more other things to do sure. than just, you know, it, it didn't feel like you were always focused on getting rid of combat, even if everything you were doing was ultimately in service of that, yeah. the way it was presented and the scale of it all felt different. And so I think that's where people are a bit divided on this one. Yeah. But I'm glad uh, to hear that it's landing for you in its yeah, more focused no, approach. It's it's really great, yeah, and I, I really appreciate this sort of, you know, again, direction that, that they went, because, I mean, you still have that great Fire Emblem experience and that great depth without it feeling like it's bloated just for the sake of, like, oh, well, we want to give content to people because, you know, it's an RPG, so, you know, we better make sure it's a minimum of, like, 800 hours, you know? <laughs> so, like, right. so, you know, it... it, it it feels much more streamlined like no we're gonna give you we're gonna make sure everything that you do here is important we're gonna give you the best like 40 hours of your life you know rather than just like here's 100 mediocre hours you know not to say three houses was mediocre it was absolutely not three houses was brilliant you know but um you know, i would much much rather have a more refined 40 hours than what feels to me like an endless hundred hours you know i don't want as great as they are i yeah i personally don't want a xenoblade experience with my fire emblem i don't want that you know, I want a much more tight. Totally understandable. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. approach to it. So, yeah. That's fair. I mean, having to do like yeah. four yeah, not 60 everything. hour playthroughs to fully beat one Fire Emblem is a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. Embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I totally hear you. Well, folks, that is our show for the week. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in. We really appreciate all of our listeners. If you like the show, please spread the word. Tell your friends. We are on every major streaming platform from Spotify to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, you name it, we're pretty much out there. We also got the video version over on YouTube and on Spotify if you prefer that way. Uh, and thank you so much. We will be back at you next week with everything new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. See you guys later.